Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss not a single issue of X-Men, but since we are taking... We're, we're in between storylines, sort of. I guess the storylines never really stop. But uh, we decided to to delve back into some of the issues that happened uh, while we were reading Catching Up. Uh, yeah. Elsewhere in the Marvel Universe. Um, so we got what, uh, six? Is it, we got six issues that we're going to cover? Seven, Adam. Seven issues. Seven. Well, these first two kind of bleed together and make up less than a total issue. Yes. <laughs> so, In fairness, so seven. three of these issues are just partial issues. So, so uh, we'll begin. Let, let's take it right off the top. We start with uh, The Daredevils. Uh, volume one, number three, uh, which is, which is, I guess it's a UK, uh, magazine. We, I covered these back when they were just Captain Britain and they were the black and white ones where we get our first introduction of Betsy Braddock. But here we get our, uh, we get, we get more of a, she didn't have powers then. I'll put it that way. Further introduction to Betsy Braddock, Braddock rather, and more storyline with Captain Britain in a story called Captain Britain, Thicker Than Water. Uh, I didn't realize that is the comic book or is Captain Britain co-created by Alan Moore and Alan Davis? Uh, the character. I didn't know that. Now I have a bigger respect for Captain Britain. I think it was a kind of a play on Captain America. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it was. Uh, I don't know too much about Captain Britain. I do know that you know, the costume that we see in this issue is the costume that will probably grow to know more so through some of his appearances in X-Men and then Excalibur. Whereas before he had like the blonde tuft of hair coming out of his little British face mask. Now, I never read Excalibur. He is like the leader of Excalibur? Or? You know, I he is in Excalibur. Um, Excalibur, I, I, I can't wait till we get to that point in comics, which is going to be a long time from now, but I really want to reread them because I remember not really appreciating them back then because they were more expensive. Uh, they were goofy. Um, and I was like, this isn't X-Men, you know, I wanted my X-Men. I didn't want these Excalibur people doing Excalibur things, but now kind of in retrospect, when I've looked back at some of the covers and stuff, I was like, oh man, that, that actually kind of looks good. Like the artwork and, you know, some of the characters, uh, the villains that they fought and such. So, anyways, uh, he was, I don't know, I guess he was the leader. Maybe Nightcrawler okay. was the leader. I don't, I don't really remember. Hmm. Um, he was, I mean, there was a lot of also, like, infighting amongst the team. So, you know, a lot of times they just, like, they'd, they'd, they'd go solve the crime, uh, and then they'd just go their separate ways because they're mad at each other. So, I don't know. I'm going to read it when we get to it, and I'll, I'll highlight it when we get to it. But uh, that's what I know. Actually, looking at this now, I don't think I don't necessarily think this means that Alan Moore and Alan Davis are the co-creators of Captain Britain. I think Alan da Alan Moore is the writer of this issue, and Alan Davis is the penciler and inker. So when you say co-creators, okay, typically you would think that that would mean like the character, but maybe you're right. Who I knows? Think, I think it's just of this this series. Okay. Well, Jenny O'Connor is the letterer and uh, some guy named Bernie J is the editor. So these are all British people, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, wow, we spent a lot of time talking about nothing here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who's the colorist? <laughs> uh, the comic book is in black and white, and uh, so there is no colorist. 
which is interesting because there there is a there will be a uh, uh, a coloring comment in the issue. Anyway, we we open with uh, the theater. We get Doctor Destiny, who is uh, a kind of a, a telepath who is reading the. He's using his perhaps abilities. Maybe maybe they're real. Maybe he's just a magician uh, as as parlor tricks. And it seems like he's got. He's got a pretty good hold on his telepathic powers. He's able to uh, point out that someone has um, a set of keys and a dollar fifty-eight of loose change in their pockets. Um, guy walks what? in, big old guy comes up. He's kind of foreboding, and he's like, "I have a question. What have I got in my pocket?" But he probably doesn't sound like. He probably sounds like, "What have I got in my pocket?" Or maybe he's like. What have I got in my pocket? Wait a minute, they're in England. What have I got in my pocket? <laughs> what have I got in my pocket? And the psychic guy, Dr. Destiny, he's like, Well, let me see. You've got a... Oh, God. Oh, God, no. Blum goes the gun. Because <laughs> it's, it's a British gun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's when we flash to a woman... Uh, who is beside herself. I guess this is her assistant because there's blood now spattered all over the poster of the brain that was behind his Secrets of the Mind sign. Yes, he is He is dead. And we cut over to the, I don't know, uh, Captain Britain Manor? Braddock Manor. Oh, that's a good name for it. <laughs> Braddock Manor. Um, and uh, the phone shouldn't be ringing because nobody knows I'm here. Nobody. How come he sounds like Cyclops? Uh, well, he doesn't. I just, as I talk more, you'll realize that. N- nobody knows I'm here. <laughs> hey, well, they I'm... can't all they can't all have the same British. <laughs> oh, I'm Cyclops. Oh, I'm Cyclops. Oh, I'm <laughs> Captain Britain. It's gonna be hard to do. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it. <laughs> sounds like uh, sounds like Australian. That's fine. <laughs> we are the king of awful voices on this show. So, yes, the phone is ringing, and he's thinking to himself that nobody knows I'm here. Nobody. Why? It's it's uh, it's Elizabeth or Betsy Braddock, his sister, who also knows that he's Captain Britain, says Brian B- Braddock. Ca- Captain Britain? Uh, n- why would I know anything about Captain Britain? Is, uh, what, is, look, miss, I don't know who you are. Oh, Betsy! Betsy Braddock! Oh, what? Hello. My sister, Betsy? <laughs> Just in case the reader didn't know who I was talking to, Betsy is my sister. I totally didn't recognize your voice for some particular reason. Well, they do actually address that later on. Apparently, they haven't had a very close relationship over the last few years. So, Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Betsy calls up and she's like, I'd like to meet with you sometime soon. Can we do that? And uh, she's got big hair. Yes, she does. I don't know what color it is, Adam. I don't either yet. <laughs> uh, apparently, Brian says that he'll fly there, and she's like, "You'll fly, but how are you going to get a plane?" Oh, of course, I keep forgetting you can do that. All right, it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> That's the voice that Betsy Braddock is going to have, if I can remember. <laughs> Hello, Hello. It was a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> All right. Lines from Mrs. Doubtfire. Anyways, uh, so she's like thinking to herself, Harry, for God's sakes, my brother. 
Oh, she she also tells him that uh, someone's trying to kill me. Oh, no. <laughs> Just like that. Oh, no. So her friend uh, is, is there, I guess. Um, and yes. Uh, other telepath guy. Girl. Girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, uh, um, Allison's gone into shock and suddenly screamed Kevin's name. And then. Uh, well, she sort of blanked out and switched off. So they're deducing that Kevin is probably dead. And I believe Kevin is Dr. Destiny. Okay. So this will all become clearer sooner. <laughs> but There's anyways. just five of us left, she says ominously. There's just five of us left. <laughs> Kevin's dead. Oh, Vicky. Uh, she thinks back to herself. Hurry, Brian. Hurry. Betsy, I haven't seen her for years. <laughs> there you go. He, he's like the crocodile hunter. And over the phone, she sounded so scared. I I can't hold a consistent <laughs> British accent. I don't I'm know. Gonna that... go, I'm just going to keep going with it. It's I... going to go all over the place, but that's okay. Adam, I don't know that that's a British accent. I think it's very Australian. I don't think, yeah. Well, I'm attempting a British oh, accent, okay. which is, uh, which is well, there, there might be some British in there. Comically enough so captain britain he lands in an alleyway and we get a lot of thought about like hey oh dear what am i going to do with my mask it is not very malleable oh well i guess i'll put it in my carry-all handbag as i happen to have uh, you know as you do just, just for such an occasion <laughs> well i mean in this first little splash panel of him flying by big ben he does have his little merce with him well, it makes it makes sense that that's what he would do with it. I just it doesn't make sense that he would be thinking about this for the first time. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do with this stupid inflexible helmet? Questions all the time. Questions. <laughs> I'm Captain Britain. And uh, the two of them are side by side, and he's thinking to himself, "I wonder where she is." And she th- she's thinking to herself, "He's late. He's in. A- he said in an hour." But he's light. The two look at each other, and then they look back, kind of giving a scowling look as they think about who they're supposed to be looking for. Because apparently they looked very different early on. Yes, uh, and we we see who they look like early on because we they we can see what they're imagining the last time they saw each other. They look back at each other and they're like, "Oh, Betsy, Brian, Betsy, your hair—it's purple." Brian, how did you get so big? And then there's somebody, a customer, or no, the the clerk of the coffee shop that they're at who wants to know whether or not they're going to pay or not. Are you going to pay for that stuff or what? <laughs> so, uh, I well, I guess they're not at the coffee shop. They're at the malt shop because they order two thick shakes. Yes. You keep staring at my, you keep staring at me and was my nose dirty or something? It's just. The hair. Do people really have purple hair these days? It's 1982, Brian. (laughs) Oh, cheeky. And I am a fashion model when all said and done. Uh, yeah. Look, Look, I've never really kept up with current trends. You have to understand. I'm Captain Britain. Tip top cheerio. Oh. Uh, oh, and then she says something like, uh, unless you've been... Uh, living on another planet or something. Brian gives a little smirk, so I guess we're led to believe that maybe he was on another planet. Ah, that could be. Which, I mean, 
I don't know a whole lot about Captain Britain, but I guess that would maybe explain why he's bulked up, why he looks different, why he actually... Well, I guess he's always been Captain Britain, hasn't he? Well, this is issue three, so maybe issue one and two involved a mm. space-faring adventure. So, I mean, spoilers, in Excalibur, and probably we learn earlier on, he has a girlfriend who is either, uh, I'm gonna, might get this wrong, either an alien or from a different realm, but she's not a human. Is that the girl with the yellow hair? Yes. Megan is her name. And the green costume? Yes. So. I've seen her. There you go. Brian, I just said that I'm a fashion model, but that's not entirely true. I've also been working for Strike. Well, that's the uh, British version of S.H.I.E.L.D., in case you didn't realize. What? Strike? British version of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Soy Division? Telepath? I'm a precog and a telepath. That's how I knew you were at home. That's why I'm in trouble. So, all right, let's pay attention to the whole telepath and precog thing. Let's kind of note that in a little little notebook of clues. See if that pans out. Okay. <laughs> she, she, yeah. Spoilers. She, she's not a precog in the X-Men. So either they will conveniently forget about that or maybe she loses her power somehow. Be interesting to see if that happens. Mm. Anyhow, so he's like, uh, hey, what's going on? Well, I want to help you. <laughs> Tell me what your problem is. Are you using drugs or something? Is that what your problem is? Oh, God, Brian, I wish it was that easy. So apparently they've shifted their locales from the malt shop to the comic shop. Well, she she says that her friends are waiting for them at the comic shop. They're okay. just hanging out at the comic shop when she's uh, reconnecting with Brian and they're going to, like, I, maybe they think it's like a, a good place to hide out. Okay. But she reveals that uh, the side division of Strike was gradually being infiltrated by a rival organization. Uh, and now, now Strike has been taken over by someone called the Vixen and he has sent someone to kill all of the telepaths and psi people and so far there's only there's only five left the vixen but i fought his henchmen a few years back i mean i never actually got my hands on the vixen himself but yeah. and uh as we're doing this we're seeing her friend that she was talking to earlier vicky is reading a comic book can't tell uh, what it is bugsy sure i don't know <laughs> and he has these he has a little pen thing and it kind of like shoots out of like a wrist contraption. Yeah, there should be a neat little sound effect with that, like, like snicked. <laughs> I didn't want to be that bad, but <laughs> so he uses this. This is the same guy that killed uh, Doctor Destiny. He uses it to stab Allison, who he met earlier, in the head, off panel. through the brain, presumably. Yes, through the brain, and then we get kind of like a psychic representation of the spike going through Betsy's brain. As she's saying, he's killing us. He's arg. And we get a uh, we get a little butterfly-ish sort of thing on her her forehead. Yeah, I don't know if that's the butterfly effect that we'll come to know. It kind of looks like the, to me, it kind of looks like that pen thing going through Allison's head, but a psychic representation of a blade coming out of her head. I don't think it's the butterfly thing that we get to know, but I'm curious as to whether or not it may have inspired it. Oh, very, very well could be. Uh, and then we see Allison dropping to the floor. She was reading something called Buck. I'm telling you, it's 
it's Bugsy or or Bushy or something. <laughs> oh, you got that new issue of Bushy? Oh, too <laughs> right, I do. It's my favorite. <laughs> I love Bushy. Yes. Vicky. Oh, no, not Vicky. Uh, yeah. And so Vicky's gone. Um, Alan Moore does some good artwork in this. Or uh, Alan, uh, the other Alan. Davis. Da- uh, Alan Davis. Yeah, I'm not too keen on the story here, but the artwork is top notch. He's good. He's but, good. Uh, yeah. So they're, uh, this guy's killing them, killing all the psychics. Um, yeah. So Brian is like, oh, hold on, Betsy. Look, is there a washroom in this place? Uh, never mind, I'll find it myself. I totally got to go change into my Captain Britain uniform. I don't have to pee. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't. There's a lot of like I don't know. The writing is weird, and maybe it's maybe it's a British thing. Um, but like this whole hold on, Betsy. Look, is there a washroom in this place? Never mind, I'll find it myself. Seems like a lot of dialogue to be like, hey, I'm gonna go to the washroom quick. Or maybe this is uh, continuing on with the questions. Always questions. What's that? That's what he said earlier when he was like, where do I put my helmet? I guess I'll put it in my handbag. Questions. Always questions. Oh. So, so that's like a, a characterization? I guess. I wouldn't have picked it up from Excalibur, but maybe that's like an earlier ca- early characterization of him. Anyways, so she's still having some psychic trauma. And, the uh, others told them to wait for us nearby at a shop just off the Charing Cross Road. He's found them, Brian. He's found them. He's killing them. The waiter of this establishment is like, Oh, Christ. Look, I'm <laughs> calling the police. Do you understand? I can't have this sort of stuff going on in my... That's when Captain Britain steps out. It's, it's all... all right. I'll look after her now. <laughs> oh, Mr. Oh, oh my... Come on, Betsy. Let's go. <laughs> Denmark Street, Brian. Oh, Denmark Street, Brian. He's killing them. So uh, the, he is. They're in the comic book shop, and uh, there's there's a pen knife sticking out of the one woman's head, and there's two other people cowering. Yes. he uh, And there's, there's some comic book people. who I have to wonder if these people are represented by some show that we're not familiar with. There's they, a lot of detail into these guys. Yeah, they're, they're very detailed. Um, yeah, they're definitely represent, representative of somebody. I don't believe this is happening. Those people are really dead. We've got to do something. Us? We may sell comics about superheroes, but we're not superheroes ourselves. That's true. And that's when Captain Britain uh, fall or lands and he's like, but I am all right, whoever you are. Leave that man alone. I'm Captain Britain. You're in trouble. And that's when the man who uh, I guess we haven't really mentioned is a is a large, bald, kingpin-esque man. Uh, apparently rips off his head and becomes a sleek, tall, um, I don't know, dashing sort of. Uh, to me, I, he looks super generic. He's got. He's, he's, he, he looks like uh, the Captain america villain batrock the leaper i'm not but, familiar with that guy but but um he looks like uh like uh robin hood or something evil robin hood he, he so he's got like a giant widow's peak he's got arched eyebrows he's got a little evil mustache he's got a little evil goatee he is such an evil cliche it's it's horrible the picture itself is great. Like his body looks like he's got like a shield uniform on. He's got like all these picks and knives all over him. But I, just his head is like 
cliche bad guy. Hello, I'm I'm Slaymaster, the bad guy. I don't know if you could tell by my widow's peak or my arched eyebrows or my evil mustache or my goatee, but I am Evo. Not sure why I needed to wear another man's face. <laughs> well, Captain Britain, as we'll find out. Cool, he says right here, he goes, uh, uh, unless, wait a minute, you're not... Oh, but I am. I'm Slaymaster. It's been a long time, Captain. So he- And uh, Slaymaster actually initially recognizes him, too. He says, Captain, no, surely not. The costume and the build are wrong, but then the voice, the simple-minded arrogance. You are Captain Britain, aren't you? So clearly, Captain, this Captain Britain change has happened recently. Yes. I mean, if Slaymaster doesn't recognize him. Right. And that's when we turn our attention to Daredevil's number four. That's right. That was a short one. Captain Britain in The Killing Ground. Uh, We have a different letterer this time. It's John Aldrich. And I got to say, lettering in the last issue was not very good. I'm kidding. Lettering was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. So, uh, uh, yes, evil Slaymaster is there with his pointy chin. Been a long time, Captain. Thought you were dead. Uh, Luckily, I got my super claw, and we're gonna fight. Let's do it. Get it on. So they fight, and this is this here, this pose of um, Captain Britain's, where he's kind of arched back, he's got one leg forward, one leg backwards, and his whole body is kind of leaning backward. Is they do it over and over again in Excalibur. It's like clap, cat, uh, classic Captain Britain pose. Well, Alan Davis draws most of Excalibur, right? I guess you're right. I didn't even connect that. Yeah, it's Chris Claremont and Alan Davis. Yeah, so I think that's just a Alan Davis pose. That makes a hell of a lot of sense, Adam. (laughs) I'm not even messing around. Messing around. The comic book guys are like, oh, police! Is anybody sent for the police? Beat him, Brian. Please beat him. God, forgive me. I hope you kill him the way he killed my friends. Uh, somebody else is thinking, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, what the hell's going on? April, Vicky, R, dot, dot, dot. I don't know who that is. It's a new character uh, who is also presumably an agent of strike. Oh, no, I felt it in my mind. He killed them. Damn him, Tom. Oh, this guy's name's Tom. Damn his eyes. Damn his eyes. <laughs> Curse his eyes. So they, they continue to fight Captain Britain and Slaymaster. And there's a reveal here that that's my brother. Tom's like, your brother? That's your brother? Oh, God. As they punch <laughs> and stuff one another. There's a bit more about how Vixen's taking control of Strike and how they're... Oh, uh, we, we totally uh, missed that, yeah. Strike has the same power and resources as S.H.I.E.L.D. It's American counterpart, which I guess... You know, there is a clause in the strike contract that whenever you mention strike, you have to mention shield. Right. We're just like shield, but British. (laughs) So, yeah, the evil plot is that strike has been infiltrated by Vixen at the top most levels for some reason. I feel like Vixen is essentially Hydra. Yeah. Except it's a dude. (laughs) But Vixen is usually slang for a woman. Is it? Hmm. You dirty Vixen. I don't know. Uh, as they fight, one of the comic book guys is like, Oh, God, are you going to throw him through the window? You are. Let me get this copy of X-Men number 137 out of the way first. It's valuable. It's... Oh, well. Never mind. Cover slightly worn. Reduced to clear. 
To which I say, ha! Oh, I'm cheeky. So does this mean that this comic book takes place outside of the X-Men's universe? Uh, how, how, how can there be an X-Men number 137 in the same universe where the X-Men actually exist, Adam? Oh, I didn't even think of that. My continuity sense is spiraling out of control. Does this mean that there's a, a tear in the fabric of time and space that Captain America and Betsy Braddock are sucked into in order to be a part of the X-Men universe? Because it cannot stand that there's an X-Men comic in a Captain Britain comic when Captain Britain will eventually meet the X-Men. Calm down, Jeremy. <laughs> Worst episode ever. Just pretend that it said Captain America number 137. That would make even less sense because we know Captain America has met the X-Men and Captain Britain's met the X-Men, so they're a part of the same universe. Here's I the thing, though. demand to go point, to a Comic-Con I... and talk to Alan Davis and Alan Moore and ask them exactly what they meant and what is happening here. This will not stand. I don't know. If, I, think, I think it's already established that Steve Rogers is the artist for the Captain America comic book. What? In the Marvel Universe. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's actually, that would make sense if there was a Captain America comic book in the Marvel Universe, because Captain America being a legendary hero and whatnot. Right. Yeah, that I can see. But but there wouldn't be an X-Men comic book in the Marvel Universe. No, there Universe. wouldn't. But if you just pretend that it says Captain America number 137, it'll all be okay. Adam, it clearly says X-Men. That's not what I'm reading. <laughs> I can't ignore what's on black and white paper. Anyways, all right, fine. I'm done. Uh, they fight some more. And uh, Captain America eventually knocks Slaymaster out, or so he thinks. Remember, he's got a simple mind. Slaymaster is just playing possum, and he hits him in the chest with one of those little poison darts. Is it poison, or does he just hit him in, like, a weak spot? Oh, I think he hits him in a weak spot. You're right. Like, apparently his power is to identify the weak spots. There, first blood. I must admit that with, with some chagrin that I was unprepared for your personalized force field you seem to have, you did not have such a thing when last we met, but I do have weapons capable of penetrating such a field as you will have noticed. The one between your fourth and fifth ribs at this moment bears the regrettable tasteless name of a Jazzler. It's like your American counterpart, Dazzler, <laughs> but it's a weapon. <laughs> it disrupts nerve impulses. I imagine you find it difficult to stand, think, walk, or indeed fulfill any physical functions other than screaming. Luckily, I am not similarly affected, and I'm going to punch you now. Punch. <laughs> so he is on the ground, Captain America, that or Captain Britain, that is, uh, and he is having a difficult time moving. Slaymaster is kind of lording that over him, like, you can't move, can you? All you got to do is pull it out. But Captain Britain, he will not be undone, and he musters all of his courage and all of his strength to pull the Jazzler out of his fourth and fifth rib, or whatever. And, he, and then he crushes it in his bare hands with a sclinch. Oh, I'm impressed! <laughs> Apparently not impressed enough to get out of the way, because Captain Britain then backhands him, which knocks him across the room. And I love this jump here. He's, like, jumping over this crowd of people. Oh, somebody even says, wow, look at that leap. That's a world record. That's no. no, he isn't leaping. He's flying. Flying? You know, my mother warned me this would happen if I didn't stop reading comics. Oh, it's another self-referential reference. <laughs> a self-referential reference. <laughs> yeah, a self-referring reference. <laughs> Anyways, uh, 
Yes. Uh, so Captain Britain is thinking to himself that he should be trashing this man. He's much more powerful than him, but he's a better fighter and he's a better killer. And he realizes that he's not using his right arm for some particular reason. And they stand there for a long time just looking at each other as the Slaymaster. I don't really understand what's going on. Is, is this like a, he does like. Is so, his arm moving really fast? Is this or is this a psychic arm attack? I think so. He is a ninja, and it says it right here at the bottom panel, right? So he's got this kind of claw hand, and I think he really fast hits him in a weak spot that he is he has identified by looking at like the molecules of his body. Just one square centimeter of vulnerability. The shoulder. Oh, I thought so. So he hits him in the shoulder. There's a delayed reaction. And then Captain Britain's like, Gah! The pain surprises you, Captain. That are you not aware of what I have done to my arm? It is a ninja trick. You know of the ninjas, right? Doesn't everybody know of the ninjas? Everybody knows of the ninjas. And if you don't, well, I'm going to tell you about it. They pound their hands into rock until they're covered with a thick callus. Then they sharpen the callus to a keen point. Of course, the hand isn't much uh, used for anything after that, except cutting, which I'll do to your arm again. Cut. This isn't supposed to be happening. He's killing Brian. Brian's much tougher than a human being, but he's being slaughtered. We've got to help him. We're not helpless. I'm a precog. You're a telekinetic. But I can't move, Elizabeth. I'm too rattled. To I can't concentrate. Okay. <laughs> well, look. Uh, see those comics over there? Uh, make them attack him. Okay. Oh, right. And then, so there's some dialogue, and she's thinking to Tom. No, no, no. He gets hit in the face with a whole bunch of comic books, and then she telepathically reaches out to Captain Britain and says, Hit him, Brian! He's be uh, he's blind! Hit him! 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 <laughs> Captain, I congratulate, and then he gets punched out. Punch in the face. Ah, he's out cold. We, I did it. We did it. Good God, my arm hurts like hell. Brian, it's the police! Uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the police, oh, I don't need this. I'm out of here. And apparently Captain Britain's got uh, his own J. Jonah Jameson. Except he's a cop. Inspector Day Thomas. All right. Hero hater. All right. Just when I thought it would be, uh, I'd got all you scary monsters and creep, uh, super creeps packed off into America where you belong. Ah, hell, you're under arrest. Every bloody one of you is under arrest. Say David Bowie reference? I don't know. Is scary it? monsters and super creeps. Ah, I didn't even catch that. Probably. David Bowie's it, British. It's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy, I'm out of here. It's good seeing you. More right, Either that or it's just like an amazing coincidence. Uh, call me. All right. Cop comes up to Betsy and's like, hey, what did that flying man say? She's like, what flying man? Oh, what flying man? And somewhere else... Later on, a man is watching television when a familiar-looking woman brings him the telephone. Vixen, baby! I was just going to call you! I don't remember our voice for this um, guy. Vixen, I was just going to call you. What's happening, baby? Right. Oh, uh, a vixen is a girl, I guess. Okay, uh, you juvenile oaf! 
that so-called hitman that you supplied to... Oh, it's Arcade by the she's talking to, by the way. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, the guy, uh, Slaymaster Socks, he's in police custody. Custody, I thought you trained him to be unbeatable. Well, I was watching TV, but now you've piqued my interest. Who got involved? Captain Britain? You said Captain Britain? Well, that's much better. I like Captain Britain. Now it's personal. The end. So if Arcade's in this, then the X-Men are definitely... Do you see what I'm saying, Adam? Uh, maybe the Brits have an X-Men comic for some reason. Maybe it's a totally different thing. I don't know. But uh, Captain Britain will make an appearance in uh, the pages of Excalibur. So, I'm sorry. Of course he will. Arcade will make an appearance <laughs> gonna say. in the pages of Excalibur. So, let's move on, uh, shall we, to Vision and the Scarlet Witch number four. Now, Adam... Do you have any idea what happened in the first three issues of Vision and the Scarlet Witch, a Marvel Comics limited series? I read all four of them, actually. You did? I did. <laughs> Can you, I mean, I don't think you even need to know anything as we reach this issue. No, you don't. But, but I can I can surmise them all very quickly. Do so. And the uh, uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch are on vacation from the Avengers, and they just bought a house far away. And they move into their house in the first issue, and they're unpacking, and Jarvis shows up. With tea and crumpets. And because, uh, you know, that's what Jarvis does. And then there's this really great thing where they are, they're like hanging out by the fireplace and they all start making out and stuff. Jarvis, and, too? No, Jarvis is uh, uh, in the other room, apparently, because then Vision says, We are forgetting Jarvis's presence and the unpacking still to be done. <laughs> so Scarlet Witch says, Sigh, I suppose we can postpone our lovemaking until later tonight. Wow, rare. Yeah, they were going to do it. So it's <laughs> and, just... And it, Jarvis is like right down the, in the other room. It's just three issues of them talking about doing it. <laughs> Let's do uh, it now. So the first issue, they get attacked by... Hallow it's Halloween and they get attacked by some sort of demon from a book that Captain America loaned them hmm. uh, from the Captain America Library of Hexes and Voodoos. Uh, they get attacked by uh, ha ha Halloween children turned into demons. They survive that only to have their surrogate, uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver surrogate father, the Wizard, Frank, whatever his name was. I forgot about. I forgot. The, I forgot about the Wizard. <laughs> and he shows up in issue two. Apparently, he doesn't know that they're not really his children, and they don't. You know, they don't have the heart to tell him. But his legit child, uh, Nuclo, is in some sort of facility, dying of like radiation craziness. And Wizard has abandoned him, and now as an old man, he's like, I really need to take care of my kid. So they go to help out in, in uh, Nuclo, and Scarlet Witch says, well, we can bring Nuclo to uh, the Inhumans, because Quicksilver lives with the Inhumans now, and we got to help out our sort of dad. They all agreed to that. And then it turns out that the... Uh, therapist who is working with Nuclo and is siphoning off his radiation is actually a old villain from that used to fight uh, the All Winners Squad, which was the team that Wizard was on with Captain America and the Human Torch. And um, apparently he not only is planning the radiation, but he has been uh, stalking Frank for years and uh, caused the radiation accident in the first place that gave Nuclo his radioactive powers. So they fight, 
and uh, Nuclo gets uh, they win, of course, and Nuclo is no longer radiated. But uh, Frank the Wizard dies, and uh, uh, Vision loses his arm. I forget how. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Issue three. Um, Vision spends most of the episode in the hospital and Wonder Man comes because they figure if anybody can help Vision get out of his uh, coma, it's Wonder Man since they they share the same mind as sort of. And we get a lot of Vision's backstory in that one, how Ultron created him using the body of the old human torch and then they use the mind of uh, Wonder Man and... uh, and then Wonder Man came back and blah, blah, blah. And then Wonder Man's real brother comes along and he tries to kill them both because he doesn't like all these weird Wonder Man versions hanging out. And um, they manage to uh, bring Vision out of his coma, which brings us to issue four. Uh, yeah. They have decided to go to the uh, Inhumans to fix Vision's arm. It sounds like Vision and the Scarlet Witch is just a bunch of random things that happen to Vision and the Scarlet Witch. Yes. Because based on what you just told me, it seems like there's no complete cohesive story. Nope. The only cohesiveness is uh, it involves Vision and the Scarlet Witch. I guess maybe maybe what we could say is that Vision and the Scarlet Witch is just a um, full origin of the two characters, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I mean, issue three kind of delves into the Vision's origin and and issue two and issue four kind of delve into uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's origins. And issue one, I suppose, is just a sort of a setup for the whole thing. Yeah, because, I mean, typically these four-part limited series, like there's a self-contained story that happens outside of like whatever team they're on. But this this is different. There is a theme of parentage that runs through the whole thing. Oh, all right, well, let's dig into this. First of all, I want to say, uh, well, Magneto's on the cover. Hooray, Magneto. Yeah. Um, but uh, I uh, this this book is Bill Mantlo uh, scripting, Rick Leonardi penciling. I have never been a Rick Leonardi fan. However, um, I'm also willing to um, concede that when I was younger, I had a very narrow idea of what art should look like rick leonardi's never fit that mold but i this issue is impressive to me i don't know i think um inking might have a lot to do with that we got two of them you've got ian akin and brian garvey inking because i imagine that there's probably some rick leonardo that you and i will really like and some that we won't okay well, I, I, I actually am a little – I know he will do some fill-in issues over the next 20 or so uh, issues of Uncanny X-Men. So we, well, maybe they'll be better than you remember them. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm wondering, so we'll see. Anyhow, uh, the issue is called Please Let Me – Please Allow Me to Introduce Myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Wait, no. Please allow <laughs> me to introduce myself. Dot, dot, dot. And Exclamation mark! There's a guy – uh, well, we're in a place called Wondegore, which for astute listeners, you will remember that Adam gave us a huge backstory about the high evolutionary uh, Wondegore, Wanda, Pietro, Bova, the bovine human nursemaid or whatever. And the wizard, I think, was part of that too, wasn't he? 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, Magda. Yes. Uh, who we do we know who Magna is before this issue? You know, I'm sure we've already said it many times, but you know, we could save the secret for the end of the episode for those just tuning in now. Yeah, we got to play this straight. Like nobody knows what's about to happen because I, I mean, I knew what was going to happen, but I didn't know what happened in this issue. I am pretty sure that there have been enough clues in the Marvel Universe that quite a few people probably do know what is going on. All right. So guy all dressed in white, he's uh, scaling the mountain. He's heading over to a cabin. He knocks on the door, opens it up, and this is where uh, I get my first introduction to Bova. Like when you describe Bova as like a like a cow woman, <laughs> yeah. I was expecting like... I don't know, uh, a woman with kind of cow features, but this is this is this is a cow that's walking on its hind legs. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is an upright cow. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is. Like, okay, well, this is not what I imagined Bova looked like. It's a, it's a, yes, it's a cow walking upright wearing clothes, and she yep. goes, "Who?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a woman, so Ooh. Yeah, but she's a cow, and all cows sound the same. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, she she is literally chewing her cud as she answers the door. And the guy in the uh, white jacket, I I presume is is probably disguising his voice. So he's like, "I come as a humble supplicant seeking shelter uh, from the storm." Spawn of the uh, Adam, uh, what uh, manner of uh, creature are you? Yes, that's. Uh, and the guy, or the Bova, she's like, I was created by, or, I'm Bova, midwife of Windigar, created by the High Evolutionary. Come on in. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> I let people in, and I give them food and shelter. So the guy comes in, he sits next to a wood-burning stove, and uh, uh, Bova's like, pay no heed to Modred. He's just kind of the simple guy who's kind of rocking back and forth on the floor. And uh, I don't quite remember, but I think Modred is, was in the issues that I did of Avengers. And I think he was attacking Scarlet Witch. And this is what is left of him. Okay. So he's, he's gone quite, he's gone quite mad. Moo. <laughs> <laughs> but I sense that you too have undertaken a quest. I seek my past, the stranger says. And Bova, um, how does she know to tell this particular story? Yeah, the, the narrator narration box. The pilgrim accepts the tea, cow, the tea the cow woman offers, and she, her tongue loosened by loneliness and by the pilgrim's apparent harmlessness, also gives voice to remembrances of days gone by, which happens to be the exact story that the pilgrim is looking for. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, so it was a night just like tonight when another person came seeking shelter from the storm. She was young, she was terrified, uh, and she was uh, something which, uh, she was scared of something which threatened her children that she was carrying. Strangers like, what was the woman's name? Her name? Why, her name was... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Moogda. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the pilgrim's eyes blaze beneath his cowl. It's storm shadow, Adam. <laughs> it is, actually. <laughs> Very storm shadow. 
It's been so long since the night she came. Woman comes in. She's like, please take me in. You must help me. I'm scared. I got some kids. We get a rat recap of stuff that covered in Avengers where she left her babies and then wandered off into the, the wilderness. She she came in, gave birth, and left. Here's my babies. Okay, I will nurse them. Which is kind of weird, right? You've got the cow. The cow. Well, the cow was created to nurse babies. That's weird. And uh, that, that's just what the cow does. The pilgrim. I mean, that's... Like that's that's the story of uh, how Frank Springer thinks that um, Quicksilver and uh, Wanda, Scarlet, Scar- uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are his children, is because Boba just happened to have a couple of babies already around when his wife's babies died. Ah, uh, I don't know. It's still just weird that in a comic book somebody was like, you know what? We should create a character who is half woman, half cow, but mostly looks like a cow. And this cow's only job is to nurse orphan babies. Yeah. It's weird interspecies <laughs> stuff. I mean, I perhaps know that we drink milk, and so it's not really that weird. But Perhaps we will learn more about it when the evolutionary war comes out. I, I s- severely doubt it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we will. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I would actually like to know what... I, w- I want to follow the evolution. What is it? The evolutionary? Yeah, high evolutionary. High evolutionary? When did he first appear? Uh, when did Boba first appear? I want to know all this stuff. Yeah, that that should be your side podcast. I have no idea where to, where to start. <laughs> I'm sure there's a internet webpage that could help you. What's the internet? Oh, I don't know. They have it on computers now, though. So the thing that really disturbs me is that how is Bova nursing these children? She's hooking them up to her nipples and feeding them. And that is the part that was like, that's really freaking weird. Where do you see that? I don't see it. It's 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 said between the pages. I no. nursed them and they grew into healthy, no, wondrous children. When a, not, when, not... a wing, when a woman nurses a baby, she hooks the baby up to her nipple and the baby feeds. That's nursing what Bova has... does. Nursing has several meanings. You can nurse somebody back to health. But these you know. are newborn babies that need to eat. Yeah, and I'm sure the high evolutionary has whipped together some awesome uh, devices to create mother's milk. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what happened, Adam. That's what Bova was created for, was to nurse babies. No. Yes. I defy you. <laughs> I don't care. I'm reading it on the page. Uh, anyways, so... Bova goes on to say that each of these uh, two children possessed tremendous powers. The children, they lived. Uh, well, yeah, the uh, the pilgrim, the white pilgrim, suspects that they died. And, yeah. And she says, no. That's how we got into the nursing topic, Adam. She's like, no, I nursed them. And they grew into two healthy, wondrous children. I nursed them. They sucked at my teats. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, they suckled. Anyways, uh, the the pilgrim is like, who are they? Tell me their names, cow woman. Tell me. And that's when she suddenly, uh, Bova suddenly remembers that Magda told her, please keep my children from their father. Well, here's what I think happens. I mean, she does say that, but I think Bova sees Magda in the pilgrim's pupil. And so there's, I don't know. It's kind of a cool panel. It doesn't make any sense. Um, no. No? No. Do you think that's Bova's eye? 
Yeah, that's definitely Boba's eye because the 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 behind the eye is brown. Well, that could be just a miscoloring. Maybe you're right. And the and the panel references Bova and says again, Bova recalls back through time Magda's desperate admonition. Mm. All it's right. it, it's like her mind's eye. All right, fine. Mind's eye. You you are Magda's husband. And the children's father, yes. Tell me their names, or I will flay the flesh and nail your steaming nail it steaming to what's left of this pathetic hovel. And so he does. He he basically blows this cabin apart. Yes. Uh, ripped, ripping nails from planks and hinges from doors. And you know, we know who's on the cover. So, yeah, not much of a mystery here. But 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 still, you know, we'll play it like it is. And sent all flying in mad in a mad maelstrom of metal. If I can do that, cowwoman, do you think there is any way that you can prevent yourself from uh, telling me what I wish to know? <laughs> and that's when he uses his power that he hasn't used in a while of, by controlling the iron content of your blood, I control your mind as well. You have no choice but to speak the truth. The children's names tell me. So, yeah, I mean, I guess... Bill Mantlo is trying to connect the old series to the new series. And Bill Mantlo did write some of those old issues. Um, but it still doesn't explain how Magneto could get onto the um, astral plane. Wait, we're talking about Magneto? Oh, I mean, whoever this mystery <laughs> man is who can control... The, I don't know why I brought up Magneto. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but the cow person says that it's Wanda and Pietro and this guy who bursts apart and has a cape goes wanda and pietro of course and that's when he totally destroys the cottage and uh and leaves i came to one Gore in the quest of my past cow woman thanks you i found it fairly well i'm out of here <laughs> and she uh bova leans over to her to modred and says, uh, Modred, if you have any connection to your old powers, do whatever you can to warn the children. Warn the children. And Modred doesn't really know what he's doing, but somehow shoots out a, a spell. Yep, the spell arcs heavenward. To where far above the earthly storm, the moon shimmers like a pale pearl in the starfield sky. Ooh. <laughs> It is to there that a certain silver starcraft comes. It's a Quinjet, and the Inhumans, the uncanny Inhumans, that is, are out to meet that Quinjet. Hey, everybody! Welcome, Scarlet Witch and Vision, says Medusa. Greetings, my sister Wanda. All Atalan rejoices at your arrival. Oh, Pietro, I've missed you! Maybe Pietro should talk fast. Greeting, my sister Wanda. Oh, Adeline rejoices at your arrival. Yeah, that's pretty good, Adam. Good. Do you remember the guy that used to do the Micro Machines Cause, commercials? Because he's fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That dude. guy. Micro Machines, yeah. <laughs> yeah, him. He played Blur in the Transformers movie. He did, because he talked fast. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, the uh, Wanda, the Vision uh, are there, I guess, to get Vision's arm fixed. And I guess also to visit Luna, who is the newborn baby of, uh, no, Crystal and um, Quicksilver. Yes. So wait a minute. Yeah, okay, I'm good. I'm good. 
Uh, Quicksilver wonders why they aren't bringing Nuclo, Nuclo here, and uh, she reveals what happened in issue two. Yep. She doesn't mention that um, Frank is dead, which, which is, I, I'm surprised. Yeah, no reason to. <laughs> uh, Wanda's like, look, look at Vision's arm. Can you fix it? And they're like, all right, the next day. My arm is give fixed. A, give us a panel. <laughs> all I need is one panel. Boom, fixed. And yeah, the doc, the the moon doctors are like, we can synthesize your android cells. Isn't it awesome? And uh, he feels well again, and he practices doing stuff, and he hugs Wanda, and she's like, oh, I wish we still haven't had a chance to make love from the first issue. Boy, let's let's do that. Because my brother's here, and he can watch. <laughs> uh, strangely enough. Like, they have been putting off seeing um, Quicksilver and Crystal's daughter, Luna. Yep. Which you would think. They've been here for a whole day. Oh, yeah. Good point. You'd think, like, Scarlet Witch would be jumping jumping at the bit or chomping at the bit to be like, I really want to see that uh, my niece. Give me that baby. I got baby <laughs> fever. <laughs> but, no, not so much. So, you're right. Finally, the next day, they, they go and they, they see the baby. Bunch of dialogue. I, Who cares? I explained to my wife, Crystal, your reason for postponing a visit to to her and our child. She understood your concern for the vision, but something else is troubling you, my sister. Yeah. What is troubling I her? had a dream. Oh. Oh, so did I. <laughs> oh, and so potentially this is Modred's spell that he cast? Right. Yeah. That that the children are in trouble, but they're like, what? who are the children? Yeah, the message was something like, save the children, but they're like, who's Luna? Like, who? what children are we saving? So, anyways, um, Quicksilver gives the baby over to Vision uh, after a lot of, like, boy, I really don't like Vision. He's a robot. My sister's too good for a robot. Oh, fine. Here you go, brother-in-law. It looks like Crystal and uh, Scarlet Witch kiss. <laughs> well, they they, I know, they probably do. Like, hello. You sis. know, it's like, a, it's like a friendly kiss. Yeah, but you're which, right. You know, you do. But she's also, like, grabbing the baby. At the same time, and it's very passionate. I don't know if it's passionate, Adam. Well, in this freeze frame, <laughs> it's passionate. Yeah, all right. I don't know what gets you off, but there's a baby in the <laughs> middle of that kiss. Uh, so anyways, Vision's holding the baby, and he's, I don't know. Now I guess he's got baby fever. Uh, baby fe- fever. Luna gurgles, then. The Vision coos. Pietro and Crystal laugh, but Wanda... Wanda remembers her dream of the night before and wonders at the voice which seemed to keep crying, "Warn the children." So here's Warn my in- the children of what? Here's my impression of that that back and forth. So Luna, <laughs> Vision, coo. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, Warn the children of what? And uh, enshrouded in an energy corona that has enabled him to traverse vast distances of airless space. The White Pilgrim arrives on Luna. Hey, everybody, I'm here. <laughs> what up, yo? Uh, and I guess he is able to make himself invisible so the Inhumans can't see him. So Yes, I don't fully understand it, but, you know, the plot calls for it. Bill Mantlo's kind of going off the rails a little bit with this character. He's flying through space and he's invisible to the Inhumans, but... He makes it to the throne room or something. Yeah, I'm not really sure. It must be like Crystal's house. 
Yeah, and then he puts up a force field around Crystal's house, and the rest of the Inhumans are like, Oh, man, there's a force field here. Something's wrong. We can't get in. We totally can't get in, and it's it's been made so that all of our powers don't work on it, and none of the powers of the people inside work on it either, so they can't get outside. If only Black Bolt could talk, but he can't do that, because we don't dare let him. So he'll destroy stuff. Yup. So, that's out. That is because I have matters I wish to discuss with those within this tower. Matters I wish to disclose to no other ears. The voice. Though years have passed, since I last heard it, uh, I never... I can't do it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, that was good. <laughs> Too jolty. Never would I forget that voice. And it's the White Pilgrim is, in fact, Magneto from the cover of this very comic book. So... The writers and the artists didn't forget to include Magneto in this issue. <laughs> Shoo. Uh, so wait, it was Magneto this whole time that was controlling all the metal? Yeah. Weird, huh? Whoa. Yeah, and uh, apparently flying through space and being invisible. So Magneto has uh, got some new powers. And controlling the iron in people to con- like completely control them. So he's also got some old powers. Yeah. And so the disguise is cast aside that Magneto, master of magnetism, might stand revealed. Magneto, our enemy. <laughs> I, I, just, I can't get past the whole blood iron thing. Because, like, if you introduce that, Magneto is unstoppable. Well, and he can fly through space. Like, it was great when they turned him into a baby and you were like, okay, we can kind of forget that that ever happened. Reset his powers, but no. Nope. Now, it's, now it's back. And he can be invisible. So he kind of comes in, um, to me, kind of like old-fashioned two-dimensional Magneto. Not the Magneto that we met in God Loves, Man Kills. Well, I think I think it's by design. Oh, absolutely, of course. The plot calls for it and things will change, but I don't know. It feels a little out of character, but... I but. mean, the whole fight for the next five pages is completely unnecessary but we'll get we'll get to that uh after the fight ends can't we just like say they fight for five pages <laughs> okay they fight for <laughs> five pages um there's really see. not much that happens i mean there's like oh vision you're you're the scarlet witch's husband i guess i'll go easy on you why are you going easy on me and vision phases into magneto and partially solidifies which really really hurts and he also apparently dissolves uh, vision into like bits and stuff and throw them throw them around. But he is reconstituting himself even as they speak, and so he's out of the fight. He's not dead. Uh, this is ridiculous. I gotta cast a spell, and so she casts a spell. And Crystal has the power of elemental. Uh, as the power of Crystal, the elemental inhuman enters the fray. So I guess I'm not entirely sure what Crystal's powers are. But between Some sort of element, I would guess. <laughs> I guess. But between the two of them, there. This is the two-dimensional part of Magneto. I am beset by women. Well, you know, it's a great panel, though. <laughs> it is. I am beset by women. Aye. And sore beset Magneto on your knees, boaster. Kneel as you would have had all humanity kneel to you. And they fight some more. And Quicksilver stabs Magneto because he's worried that he'll get up. And uh, finally, Magneto steps in and says, I don't want to fight you guys. I, I, Sorry, I let this go on for so long. But uh, 
I really just want to hold my granddaughter. I should have said that in the beginning. Well, now wait a minute. Before that happens, <laughs> there's there's the fight, but then Crystal is like, "Stop it! Stop fighting! Can't you see you're scaring my child?" And everyone, which I say, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> well, then that's what stops the fight. Everyone's like, "Oh, oh!" Just they think this is Magneto, like old school Magneto, and she's like, "Stop it! Come yeah. on, guys!" And the fact old- is. That they, school Magneto or a uh, or any villain would not be like, oh, oh, there's a kid here. Whoops. <laughs> and that's when Magneto's like, the babe. Yes, the fighting. Born out of the past animosities shall cease. I just want to hold my granddaughter. Your granddaughter? What? Could it could be? It be? <laughs> <laughs> no, Vision. It could not be. It's a lie. The villain's mouth. It must be. But, Pietro, have you never noticed how you look like Magneto? Oh. And, and you, Magda, or you, Scarlet Witch, also look like Magda, the girl that I married. That, that was my wife or, or stuff. My lovely Wanda. My mother? I have heard the tale of the monster who drove Wanda and Pietro's mother forth into the storm. Uh, it was just a bad interpretation of the true story. <laughs> I'm a Jew, and I was in a concentration camp. Did you know that? But then I used my power to fight back, and that frightened Magda. It's a story that us X-Men listeners have heard time and time again. But now you're hearing it. That power was scarier. I think continuity-wise, this might be the first time. Oh, really? So Yeah, I guess you're right. So maybe in classic X-Men is where we got all this Magda and World War II fighting back. Although, there was in... Uh, the one issue of Uncanny X-Men where Magneto is sitting up on Asteroid M and he's like, Magda, my darling Magda, and he erases the tape. Well, right. And that that's where we get the first clue. Yeah. Or that was one of the many clues because Magda looked exactly like Scarlet Witch. Okay. Uh, mine has been a hard life and I have become a hard man in order to accommodate it. But as- I also think if if you were reading Avengers at that time, a couple months prior, you know that the the mother of uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's name is Magda. So I think you can connect the dots that way too. So if you're an Avengers and an X-Men reader, you're like, oh, I know what's going on. Maybe. But as of late, I have been reassessing my values and I've come to the conclusion that my past must not uh, rule my present. As there are good and bad mutants, there are good and bad humans. I blame the former for the latter's cruelty. I have already begun to temper my hatred for Homo sapiens. If my mutant son can have a normal child, that means my blood is in normal humans. So I'm turning over a new leaf. Still, I do not expect, I do not ask acceptance of mankind at large. I I only ask it, Wanda and Pietro, of you. What do you say? If you really are our father, what in heaven's name do we all do now? Someday the children of the man called Magneto will find an answer to that question, but today... They will be content with the answers they already have. By the way, Magneto's holding the baby. Oh, yeah. That was another weird scene where, like, Magneto just walks up to Crystal and takes the baby. (laughs) Yeah. Harm her not, like, If I was Crystal, I'd be like, uh, yeah, you know, no. (laughs) Not gonna let you hold my baby. Yeah. You'd think that that whole mother's protective nature would take over and be like, whoops, no way. But anyways, uh, you know, so that's a good issue because it's it connects all those dots. It finally, once and for all, answers the question that we've kind of been asking or assuming. 
Magneto is, in fact, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's father. Which I believe they will retcon in a couple hundred issues. Really? No way. Yeah, I think as of now, they somehow are not Magneto's offspring again. Huh, okay. Well, I mean, the last thing that I read that had any relevance to any of it was House of M, and I'm pretty sure that she was his daughter in House of M. I think the the retcon, and I, I, I think I just read about this or heard about this, and I, I, think, I just think it's very recent, and it has something to do with the movies. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Well, why would that make any sense? I mean, they... Well, there's the, there's the whole thing that they're like speculation that they're writing mutants out of the Marvel cinematic universe and making everybody inhuman instead of mutants. Um, so I guess, and I don't know which issue this refers. Maybe some of our up-to-date fans can help us out on this, but I believe it was retconned that Magneto is no longer their father. Here is what, what I'm going to say for now. Anyways, is that nothing in secret wars two counts. I mean, secret wars three, so the day the Marvel Universe uh, 616 and 161 well, Ultimate Universe crashed is the day the Marvel Universe ended for me. And I guess that's the way that they intended it. So if that whole relationship was retconned after that, then it doesn't count to me. I think it was before that. No, negative. <laughs> Prove it. I think it was just before the whole Secret Wars 3 thing. Makes but, no sense. Um, but I mean, honestly, do you, do you really think everything's not going to go back to normal? I, I I think Secret Wars is just another Age of Apocalypse or House of M. So now hang on a second. Um, Age of Apocalypse. I wasn't collecting comic books during Age of Apocalypse, but was there a buildup to Age of Apocalypse? Because the way I understand it is just like one day you went to the comic shop and it was all Age of Apocalypse stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't reading it either. Okay. I have I have that X-Men Alpha or whatever it was that kicks kicks it off, but I don't remember anything about it. I have a bunch of Age of Apocalypse stuff as well. I just haven't read any of it. And now I'm I have gonna... I have the Age of Apocalypse omnibus. Oh. It's still in the shrink wrap. You're going to save that until we get to it in this podcast. Probably. <laughs> 7 years from now we'll get to it. <laughs> I might read it between now and then. Who uh, knows. Yeah, I mean I think I started reading um uh Astonishing X-Men which was a four-part miniseries, which has Magneto as the professor and right. X-Men. But anyways, um, I don't... I have I, all the Weapon X issues. I did read those. I, I got to be honest, Adam, I don't know. I, I think that's what's happening. It it, dep- think... it depends on comic book sales, right? So I bet you the Secret Wars 3 thing is generating a lot of people going to the shops, trying to figure out what's going on and buying some stuff. And if and when people get tired of it, they will just go back to the way it used to be. Reed Richards will wake up and be like, what a horrible dream. Yeah. Well, you know, I, how many times has this happened? But they'll they'll figure out a way out of it. Or not, maybe. I mean, if it's super popular, they'll keep going with it. But I mean, Or they'll, or they'll create some, I think, I, I bet, I don't know. I mean, New 52 is working for DC, isn't it? Um, well, uh, they're, they're doing another reboot now because New 52 has been terribly unpopular. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was working for them. They, they're doing their whole convergence event, which oh. is, I have no idea. I don't really know what it's about, but it sounds like they're doing less continuity-based comics. That's the rumors that I've been hearing, but I, I don't know. I don't know much about DC, but I don't, yeah. yeah I, I, I'm in the same boat. I think... Uh, 
out of continuity or just micro series of Batman and Superman and whatnot would be just fine. Because I don't know how all those characters interrelate. I know that they were super friends once. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know. In the Marvel Universe, I think that might work. But a lot of the universe was built be, be, uh, was built and is so intriguing because of the level of interconnectedness between characters and comics. I mean, so many of these subplots, like Magneto being Scarlet Witch's father, didn't happen in uh, a book. It happened across lots of different books. Which is awesome. Right. So you're kind of... And, and that, that's what was cool about the secret invasion, too, is that it was something that, like, like all, all of those events sort of connected House of M to... Uh, secret invasion to civil war all of them were loosely connected and you get bits and pieces of them from reading issues and then they come you get the event right and that that was kind of neat too so it was i don't know it was, i feel like that was a little bit of a throwback to the stuff that we're in now which is just you get bits and pieces of you know you, you kind of if you read the whole line you get everything but nobody reads the whole line right and you can get enough of it just by reading your own title but i think you, you get more you get a more fuller story by reading everything but anyways hulk number that's right folks we're not done yet hulk number 278 it always comes back to hulk it does hulk is bruce banner now uh yes this issue is titled amnesty and uh we did the last one where hulk was on tv uh, that's where it was revealed that he was Bruce Banner. And quickly, this issue is he goes to, uh, is this the one where he goes into the White House? Yeah. Okay, he goes to the White House and he's asking for total amnesty from everything he's ever done ever done because he's a good guy now. I, I don't know why anybody would ever ha like allow this. But well, and the, here's, you look on the White House lawn, there's like a ton of like all the superheroes showed up and they're like, yeah, well, he said amnesty. Halt. Let's do this thing. <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, I mean, apparently in the last issue, he fought the U-Men. He beat the U-Men. And as a result of that, he got Bruce Banner's mind. Everybody saw it on television and they're like, oh, Hulk's not like a raging monster anymore. But nobody's like, hey, couldn't he return to being a raging monster again? Well, General Thunderbolt Ross is. Yes, but he's got a reputation for being a little wacky. <laughs> and the president is even like, well, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to allow this. Uh the only reason this is yeah. really connected is because uh on the front lawn of the White House is every superhero including the X-Men and Alpha Flight and Angel. I don't see Iceman yep. though, do you? Uh I see Beast, but I don't see Iceman now. Beast is over by the Avengers, but, uh, yeah, they're all there. Um, Dr. Strange is like, oh, but what about the Defenders, man? He's not a monster anymore, but is he still a Defender? Yeah. And one of the, uh, the people, Freet or whatever her name is, uh, she's with the Hulk and apparently she's like a space documentary person. Uh, and she jettisoned that one-eyed creature that I was making fun of. Last time we did this, I can't remember her name, but she's a camera. Somebody got the camera, and now they're making up some of their own documentary, which includes a space invasion, which occurs on the front lawn of the White House. And which Hulk, Hulk stops with the help of the superheroes, but mainly it's the Hulk doing all the stuff. Storm um, is there. She says, it is especially ironic since most of us have fought the Hulk at one time and another in our histories. 
Yeah, you know, they all help out, but mainly it's it's the Hulk. It's pretty much the Hulk, yep. And uh, uh, Doctor Strange says, thank you, my fellow Defender. And the Hulk says, Defender? That's right, as the Hulk, I was a member of your non-team. I like how everybody refers to the Defenders as the non-team. Well, they are. They're the non-team that anybody can join. Wolverine pops his claws and they go, Snick. Yep. <laughs> uh, Greenskins knock the alien ships out of the sky, heroes. Let's give their crews a warm Earth welcome. But once they get to the fleet, Colossus says, Lenin's ghost, the alien fleet. It vanishes before our very eyes. By the white wolf. He does not say. He does not say that. Uh, Thing and Thor lift Hulk up onto their shoulders, which is very silly. <laughs> I thank you, says the Hulk. And so everyone's like, uh, even the president's like, so General Ross, are you sure you don't want to grant him amnesty? General Ross is like, I guess. Uh, All right. Fine. And we <laughs> find out that this whole space invasion was masterminded by the leader. Right. Which is an arch nemesis of the Hulk, if you didn't know. I knew that. Is uh, the leader a human or is he an alien? I think he's a human. Okay. I think he is a, like, all of the Hulk's arch enemies have gamma radiation origins. Right. So the abomination, gamma radiation. The yep. leader, gamma radiation. You know, they should do a Hulk movie where they use the leader as the villain rather than Abomination. Well, the, the leader was in the uh, the last Hulk movie. With the big head? Yeah, it was that guy that they... they do you remember the movie at all? Oh, I... I, I vaguely. You're talking about the... Uh, the science guy that shows up to yeah. help, help out Bruce Banner and ends up expanding his brain? Yeah. Yeah, that's supposed to be the leader. So maybe they were trying to set up for a sequel, but since that movie did so poorly that it never panned out? Yep. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. Um, I liked Ed Norton. He is good, but he is not as good as the current guy. Oh, no. Mark Ruffalo? Mark Ruffalo is yeah, Mar- great. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Speaking of Mark Ruffalo, have you seen uh, The Zodiac? I think that's what it's called. Or maybe it's just called Zodiac. Is that the Spike Lee film? Uh, no. I don't oh. think it's Spike Lee. I don't know. Well, Mark it doesn't doesn't sound familiar. It's a it was a movie about a murderer who called himself Zodiac. Oh yeah, that's the Spike Lee movie, I think. Was it Spike Lee? Or maybe not. No, no, it wasn't Spike Lee. Spike it was David Jones? Fincher. David, David Fincher. Fincher. That's right. Anyways, you should check it out. It's older. It's like two thousand six, two thousand seven time frame. But Mark Ruffalo is the main character, and I'm watching the movie. The movie's like two and a half hours long, um, and there's this guy who shows up who's a detective, and he's got kind of the accent and kind of the voice and i'm like who is that guy <laughs> and then you know the credits roll and mark ruffalo is like oh it's hulk so, <laughs> anyways he was really good in that movie so you should check it out okay zodiac anyways uh yeah so let's just uh carry on with hulk number 279 which uh wow <laughs> this issue's terrible it, it's pretty silly but it, it's called, it's titled everybody loves a parade right and, uh, yeah, so it's just a big celebration of all things Hulk. Dan Rather is there. Um, nothing really happens in the issue, but a lot of people say how great the Hulk is. Yes. Except for J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Uh, everyone's like, hey, or the mayor comes out. He's like, I'm going to present you with the key to the city. And all the superheroes are clapping. And for some reason, Wolverine pops his claws. Yeah. <laughs> again, kind of, again, with a snick. Which seems kind of threatening, like, snick. 
He's excited. Yeah. Oops, didn't mean to do that. Sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when I get excited. That's why I'm uh, a girlfriend. Thunderbolt Ross does say um, that he he is he's okay with the Hulk right now as long as uh, Bruce Banner's brain remains in command of the of the brute's body. Yep. So every hero here really gets kind of a moment. Got J. Jonah Jameson doing what you said. Um, Being Dear, all Spider Manny, Daredevil, and Foggy Foghorn are there <laughs> talking about the legal advice that. Uh, Matt Murdock prepared a little bit of origin about how he turned into the Hulk. Iron Man's like, you know, he was a uh, founding member of the Avengers. Doctor Strange being all mopey that he's not going to be a defender anymore. Doctor Strange was apparently also his personal physician. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, What's his face? Uh, Hulk's buddy is missing Captain Marvel. I wish Captain Marvel was here. I don't know who this Jim Wilson person is, but I imagine if I read Hulk, I would. You probably don't even see Jim Wilson from down here, Doc, but your one-time partner's here pulling for you. To make it. (laughs) Thing Thing brings over a statue that was carved out by uh, Alicia Masters, his girlfriend. It is a statue of Hulk made out of pure adamantium carved with vibranium picks from Wakanda. (laughs) Now, I tell you, if... If adamantium is unbreakable, how did she carve it, and why would they waste so much of it on this statue? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... Apparently vibranium can cut adamantium. We'll have to see if that lasts. But why would they go the adamantium route? Why wouldn't they be like, uh, Alicia, she carved this out of marble. Isn't it beautiful? I don't know. <laughs> it's just totally needless. And it's like, well, okay, Earth's supply of adamantium went into this Hulk sculpture. And are they, like, so in love with the Hulk that he beat this battle and he's got Bruce Banner's mind? And they're like, oh, yeah, this statue doesn't seem like uh, too much or anything. So that's why you had me spend the last few days at the Baxter Building, Miss Masters. Every time I touched you, Dr. Banner, I sensed the nobility in your soul. All the superheroes are saying nice things about the Hulk. The Inhumans show up and they're like, hey, we've never met, but we've heard about you. So I'm sure they they probably have met. Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, Thor opens up the gates to Asgard and everybody in Asgard's like, Hail Hulk! Which is stupid. <laughs> and uh, even Odin shows up, even though you can't see him because tis, tis not meet for mortals to gaze upon my sire's visage. Sure. Namor shows up and he blows his little whistle his namor whistle and all of the the atlanteans come up and they're like hail hulk they have fought as enemies and as allies both for and against mankind you're my friend then we get uh, a little roll call of obscure uh superheroes let's let's alternate adam let's go back and forth you know what these are not these are not just obscure superheroes but these are obscure superheroes whose first appearance was all in contest of champions Interesting. So, I mean, you start with Black Panther, not too obscure. This might be their second appearance. <laughs> then you've got... The Arabian Knight. Followed by Sasquatch and the rest of Alpha Flight. We got a lot of common, you and I, Hulk. Then we get uh, a surprise cameo from Sunfire, who would never show up for these sort of things. No. And then you get Ireland's lucky lady Shamrock. Tis easy being green. 
To which Hulk says, it's not easy being green. <laughs> Kermit runs. I was like, hey. Uh, we get the Defensor from South America. We get Sabra from Israel. And then we get the uh, Soviet Union people, one of which I recognize as Dark Star. She was in The Champions. Hmm. Iceman had a crush on her. Uh, um, so then they are Vanguard, Dark Star, and Major Ursus. You get Captain Britain in his old Captain Britain garb with the British face mask and his hair wisping out. And from West Germany, you get Blitzkrieg. Oh, yeah. And then with a crackle, Silver Surfer shows up and he's like, hey, man, keep keep it keep it real. And he flies away. We were together once and uh, you overcame some cool stuff. I sure hope I can leave Earth someday. I'm out of here. And then the Watcher shows up and he's like, hey, I'm the Watcher. Yeah, these are terrible depictions of the Watcher, too. He's got a tiny, like, doesn't the, normally the Watcher have a huge head? He usually has a huge head and he's not, like, sumo wrestler body. But yeah, he's got a tiny head and a sumo wrestler body. He gives him a, a crystal and says, you know, normally I don't like to, I'm not supposed to interfere in stuff. But the day that Earth accepts the Hulk is a really big deal and I got to show up. And he does. He, he gives him a crystal, a remembrance crystal. It's got uh, Adam Warlock in it. It's got, it's got Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. Raccoon. Uh, and then it's got a walrus. I don't, I don't know who any of these other people are, but there are a lot of anthropomorphic creatures in the Marvel Universe. Bunch of space heroes. Yeah. Uh, all from planets where Hulk has helped. And then, in case you didn't know or didn't think this was going to be a miracle on 34th Street affair, Larry Lump or Willie Lumpkin, the mailman, shows up and he's got bags and bags of mail from people all across the country, including one letter from Karina Mantlo, who is that person related to? It's got to be Bill because Mantlo? he gets another another letter from Rachel Milgram, who mm-hmm. is L Milgram. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like their wives or their daughters or, or what oh. it is. Dear Hulk, I hope you will always be happy. Love, Rachel Milgram. Dear Hulk, I never thought you were a monster. Love, Karina Mantlow. Uh, Willie Lumpkin's like, the whole world's rooting for you, green fella. Willie Lumpkin is, uh, has been a fantastic for mail delivery person since the early 60s. I don't know if you knew that or not. I figured he was somebody's mailman. He is created by Stan Lee. He's got a, Hulk's got a tear. He's like, oh, everybody, it's been so nice to me. We get a flash of the leader who's like, this is going all to my plan, sort of. Yay! <laughs> Hulk sees Betsy, or Betty, uh, Betty Ross in the crowd, and she walks away because they can never be together so long as Hulk and Bruce share a body. I guess she'll only take Bruce if Bruce is in Bruce's body. Yeah, she's not into big green men. Yeah. That man would tear me apart. Well, Hulk says Fantastic Four, it looks as if your lonely days are over. Next month. He's clearly alone in a crowd. Yep, he's color. All the heroes surrounding him are in black and white. The only reason we touched upon this issue is because it is so ridiculous and goofy, and it has that one panel cameo of the X-Men. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. And here's here's one that that was really bad, Adam. Really, I like this one. Oh, this is uh, Marvel Two in One Annual Number Seven, The Thing, which features Colossus, and I guess the X Men are in it as well. But um, 
uh, so we'll, we'll try to run through this pretty quick since it, it can be summarized very quickly. Uh, but I like how in the beginning Alicia is creating a um, statue of the thing and it's in practically the same pose as the Hulk from the last issue. Kind of. There's a uh, statue of the Hulk behind the statue of the thing. Presumably not an adamantium one. No, 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 no. It's a different I don't pose. understand. Like, I, I get the whole concept that they're going for, you know, blind sculptor. She has to feel her way around like a creature in order to get it. And sometimes she does it from like she's doing one of Ultron and she's never met Ultron. And But uh, I don't like the fact that Ben Grimm is like, I can't stand still any longer, babe. Because like, why would he have to stand still? That's a good like, point. Couldn't he just like recreate the pose every time she needs to touch him? Yeah, good point. Anyway. And does thing really only have four fingers? I guess I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Uh, so an alien shows up and tells the thing that he's going to be a part of a a major battle against a champion of the universe, uh, a race of another alien race who likes to fight things. And he collects he also uh, thing refuses, but he grabs him anyway. And he collects several other people, including Hulk, Colossus, Namor, Sasquatch, Wonder Man, Thor. And Doc, uh, what's this guy's name? Doc Samson. Doc Samson. He also goes for Vision, but then he's like, oh, you're you're an android. Never mind. You can't fight me. Oh, by the way, this guy, every time somebody appears or disappears in this issue, it's with a bamf. Yes. It's got two Fs. This guy is the champion. And uh, he's, uh, I, don't, I didn't really read this issue, but he wants to fight Mont, or fight strong things. So there's like a montage of him fighting aliens uh, and now i guess he's grabbed the greatest champions of earth and he is now going to have a, a match with each of them he comes from an alien race of fighters that are really into sports and uh he said he basically says you're gonna do this or i'm gonna destroy the earth that's the deal <laughs> so he teleports in some trainers and says get to work we're gonna be fighting soon Immediately, two of the, oh, we get we get an X Men cameo. We're like, where's Colossus? I don't know, Wolverine. I looked everywhere. The professor I take Peter. The professor only communicates to the X Men uh, by telepathy. Telepathy, by the way, <laughs> he's being a jerk right now. He's also wheelchair bound. Uh, well, yeah, we still we still haven't quite addressed that yet. He can't quite I, walk. Yeah, I, I think most of these issues take place. Uh, all over the place in the continuity so yeah and so this is definitely introducing these characters to people that may not have read the x-men because every character is like i wolverine promise it do you yes he does sprite okay nightcrawler well cyclops let's go a lot of that true uh so a couple of people get knocked out doc doc samson is no longer a contestant because he gets knocked out Namor just refuses to train, so he gets knocked out. That's very Namor-esque. Yeah, totally. Um, then the aliens start making a deal with the public, and they start publishing um, news articles and Sports Illustrated articles and Time Magazine articles. And apparently this event is going to be hugely publicized. And then it happens at Madison Square Garden. And... They put a force field up around the ring. Everybody shows up. It's the gala event, which 
I mean, how did this champion guy secure the rights to Madison Square Gardens in you know that amount of time? Well, it it, it must have been months because how else would there there be a latest issue of Sports Illustrated and Time Magazine? Good like, point. These things take time. So you're telling me that these people have been kidnapped for months? At least a month. Okay. <laughs> uh, Wolverine and Cyclops try to break into the uh, the covering. That the is covering the the shield that covers the the boxing ring. The thing I find really silly about this is Wolverine and Cyclops are in their costumes, but they're wearing disguises. <laughs> How about they just don't wear their costumes? Like Wolverine has got like a like a a, a Gilligan hat over his <laughs> cowl. It's very silly. When he pops his claws again, it's Snick. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always got the feeling that other writers just didn't know how to write the X Men. Which it is sure seems like it. Why you don't have a snicked? Be careful, Wolverine. We don't know if the aliens planted security devices to protect their force field. We've got to take them by surprise if we hope to rescue Colossus and the others. I don't know why we haven't run this plan through all the other superheroes that are here. <laughs> Let's just do this on our own. It ain't working. <laughs> And we skip now to the champion who shows up and he beats up Thor. Thor is comically in some boxer briefs and his Thor helmet. He, Which Thor, Thor says, I will, you need to get punishment for this too. <laughs> he doesn't like the outfit. Thor is disqualified because he's not allowed to use his hammer, but of course he's Thor, so he has to use his hammer. Well, he uses his weapon. He's allowed to hold the, the, the hammer because if he doesn't, he turns into Donald Blake. Donald Blake. But he's not allowed to use it, apparently. Yeah. So he's disqualified. Um, the Hulk shows up, and he's about to, I don't know, he runs towards the champion. The champion's like, no, I'm not going to fight your mindless brute. And so he teleports well, him away. Well, because up until this point, the Hulk had been Bruce Banner. And then Bruce Banner loses control and becomes the mindless Hulk. And that's when the champion is like, I don't want to fight the mindless Hulk. I wanted to fight Bruce Banner Hulk. You're out of here. Yep, Sasquatch shows up and gets beat up. Sasquatch gets handily beaten. Colossus gets fairly handily beaten. Although he, he puts up quite a fight, uh, he takes quite a quite a quite a beating. He's a he gets a called by a technical knockout. So he doesn't get knocked out, but the ref's like, "Nope, I'm calling the fight. This boy can't fight anymore." Yeah, Wonder Man, I think fights. Yes, he uh, loses. Wonder Man fights, and he he breaks the rules and destroys the mat. I'm not sure what he was attempting to accomplish here, but... And that's when the Thing shows up and they have a big fight. Uh, and the Thing's got heart. It's like a rocky story. He's losing, but he won't go down. And he gets up. And uh, the champion admires his heart and his spirit, just like they do with Rocky. And he says, well, our paths will meet again, but uh, I'm not going to destroy the Earth now. I'm out of here. Bamf. There's, there's a big thing where uh, no one has ever lasted like uh, more than a round with fighting this guy. And the thing lasts three rounds before they finally uh, disqualify him for not being able to fight anymore. The thing <laughs> has blood coming out of his mouth in one of these panels, which is interesting. I didn't know the thing bled. Yeah, he's even got like a black eye in yeah. another panel. Uh, so the the champion is about to declare victory over and what is going to happen to the earth when the thing is like, hey, no. You had uh, this fight still going on, and then he earns the champion's respect, and that's when the champion disappears. He's like, all right, you can keep the earth. I think we're missing the last page, but whatever. 
<laughs> it's okay. The only part of that was uh, Colossus's appearance in the X-Men's quick cameo. Even my adamantium claws can't break through this. <laughs> and finally up, oh patient listeners, Obnoxio the Clown number one versus the X-Men. It's a, it's a classic cover. Hiya, kids. What's black and what's yellow and black and don't breathe no more. And he's holding the uh, body of Kitty Pride. But then if you look down at the asterisks, it's like the answer is a dead school bus. So uh, this is the story is called Something Slimy This Way Comes. It is um, script, art, letters, and colors by Alan Kupperberg. Oh, yeah. So he does Larry it all. Hama editing, uh, Jim Heem Shooter, hmm. editing in chief, and apparently Obnoxio the Clown was created by Larry Hama. Good old Larry Hama. He couldn't figure out how to get this character into G.I. Joe, so he shoved him into the X-Men. <laughs> His birthday was last Sunday. Okay, Brat, snap off them TVs. It's time for some seriously brain-expanding literature. I call this little mix-up of mine something slimy comes this way. This way comes. This must be the place. By the way, if your brain gets too big, tough noogies. I'm a clown. I'm dirty. I got a cigar. <laughs> I'm like a hobo clown. In fact, I think this is how I talk. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a little, <laughs> a little, little darker. Yo, like, uh, yo, wanna... okay, Brett. <laughs> Snap off them TVs. Oh, mine's very similar to yours. <laughs> a fifty buck fare to Westchester and no tip. You want a tip? Don't bet on horses. Think this comic will end up in the Library of Congress? Um, he's got a to- piece of toilet paper with School for Gifted Children written on it. Apparently that's the address. Entertaining at a kitty's birthday party. <laughs> Yeesh, I think I gave up my regular Wednesday night of shock fishing to give the little girl her teehees. Yeah, but that weird old geezer on the phone... Offered me enough bucks to make old Captain Ahab quit dogging my Moby Dick. So I'm a, the, if you didn't catch from the dialogue, uh, Obnoxio the Clown has been hired by the professor to uh, be the clown for Kitty's birthday party. Yep. And so Obnoxio is uh, narrating the book as well as he's in the book. So, meh. There's a dude behind a tree. Um, he's going, Curses! A ragged intruder, he may dash my carefully laid plans. Uh, so Obnoxio continues to narrate that the weird geezer had other things on his old chrome dome at that moment, and that was a mutant alert that Cerebro is sounding off. It goes on for three panels like that. Uh, Cerebro explodes. Four panels. <laughs> Yeah, the professor's like, well, it's not that powerful of a mutant, not powerful enough for Charles Xavier and his uncanny X-Men mutants to deal with, if need be. Yes, I can only hope that this potential crisis doesn't ruin the surprise birthday party I've arranged for Kitty Pride, the X-Men's youngest member, for those of you who don't know, I've arranged for the services of her favorite clown from Crazy Mag- Magazine. I think Crazy Magazine is a real magazine. It totally is I think it's is crazy Marvel's take on Mad? It might be. I think it is. Or it might just be that Matt Marvel bought Crazy when they went out of print or something like that. Who knows? 
I don't remember. I thought, no, whatever. Anyways. Anyway, Cerebro explodes, knocking the professor unconscious. He will not be a part of this issue. Yeah, he will be. but not A little bit, yeah. but. Uh, Cyclops runs in. He's like, I heard the Cerebro mutant alarm going off, followed by an explosion. I hope Professor X is he. Oh, no, he's alive. Just, just knocked unconscious. This could be the beginning of a coordinated attack. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he turns on the uh, his mansion self-defenses as Obnoxio is ringing the doorbell. Come on, open up. Or off and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. He falls through a trap door and he's presumably in the mansion now. Yes, he falls through the trap door that we've never heard of before. It's on the side door. Ah, the old trap door in the welcome mat bit. Gotta remember to get mine fixed. Angel, Sprite, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Storm. You're all here. Good. What is it, Scott? Why are you talking so funny? I forgot how to talk for Cyclops. <laughs> so, Professor X is out of action and the Cerebro is howling like a banshee. Angel? Angel? Banshee? <laughs> so there's a cover of Crazy Magazine, which, by the way, is published by Marvel, in which uh, there is a guy on the cover with a bomb, which is connected to signs of Mad, National Lampoon, and Cracked, like he's about to blow them up. Ooh. Yeah, so Crazy wasn't messing around. It's on those successful magazines that will far outlast Crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, anyways. So, in continuity, this may be Kitty's 13th birthday, which would actually put this a year ahead of where we actually are in the actual run. That's what we're guessing. Because Angel a, is there. A, a year ago, not a year ahead. But now, if Angel is there, shouldn't Jean be around? Uh, no, because this, this was after Jean when Angel was hanging around the X-Men oh, for a little while. you're right, you're right. Yep, okay, I recall. Okay, well, anyways, uh, this other guy, he comes off and he's like, oh, what a charmed stroke of luck that hobo set off all kinds of alarms. It'll distract the X-Men long enough for me to do this. Beware, X-Men. Here comes I Scream. And this character turns into a puddle and the puddle moves into the mansion. Yes. Through, through like a window frame. Obnoxio, he's in one of the holding cells and he's like, bah, when that Xavier robe told me to drop by tonight, I didn't think he meant this. <laughs> I'm a clown. <laughs> <laughs> he uses his bag of tricks, which luckily is not damaged, uh, to escape. Uh, he uses, what is this, some CO2 cartridges. From his seltzer. Uh, that recharge his seltzer bottle. And he plugs them into the air conditioning intakes, lights them on fire with his stogie, and explodes the wall. It was a real blast, brats, but just as soon as I poked my pink little tomato nose out of that plastic pokey... Good night, nurse. If it ain't the Legion of Super Pests. That's when the X-Men show up and they're like, hold it right there, fella. We got some questions for you. Or you will answer to the power of Storm! Says Storm for no apparent reason. <laughs> I think this is her only dialogue in the whole issue. Um, the ice, ice cream is sneaking around and he sneaks up into the danger room, which he's heard of somehow. I've heard of the danger room through the... Actually, I think he talks like this. I've heard of the danger room through the muty grapevine. <laughs> it will make my job as simple as pie, a la mode. 
He should sing like the or he should talk like the ice cream song. No. All will soon gape away at ice cream. Okay, I can't do it. With but a twist of the dial and my unstable molecule chest refrigeration unit, I can melt under any obstacle. Lickety banana split. So his all will soon gape in awe at ice cream. The man who can turn into any flavor ice cream he desires. There you go. Ice cream can turn into ice cream. Yay. Obnoxio the clown, meanwhile, is fighting the X-Men. And he's like, hey, what's going on, you guys? And he pulls out a unicycle from his bag of tricks. And he's riding around the X-Men, um, who are basically crashing into one another. Not very coordinated, uh, these X-Men. Uh, Cyclops' dialogue is kind of funny. He's like, this is all wrong. We must function as a team. Save your speeches, bub. The Wolverine ain't chop liver. Class, class dismissed, chumps. The Yexmen. Ha ha. <laughs> he grabs Peter's hand with his uh, electric buzzer. <laughs> and throws uh, sneeze powder at Nightcrawler, who humorously bamps all over the place. Bamf, achoo, bamf, achoo, achoo, bamf. <laughs> and it goes on. Ice Scream now is in uh, the danger room control room, and he's like, in- Incredible, that tattered hobo is single-handedly holding off the X-Men, but he won't spoil my victory. The switch will activate the X-Men's danger room. Which I guess they're not in the danger room, but somehow the danger room has a giant claw which reaches out into the hallway with a snicked, I should add, <laughs> yeah. and grabs Obnoxio and pulls him in to the... Danger room, which is which is new. <laughs> yep, I will never be seen again. Wait till Xavier sees the bill for this gig. What a drag! I'm getting tired of this. The danger room has been sealed. Professor X, oh, Professor X made the door resistant to my opti blasts, but that was to keep me from getting out during training, not from blasting in. Despite his strange manner, I suspect this clown may not be our true foe. I wonder. Dot, dot, dot. Give the lady points for perception. Um, Nightcrawler is still a-chewing in the background. A-chew, bamf. A-chew, bamf. Uh, so, Obnoxio is in the danger room. Flamethrowers come out of the wall. They're shooting at him. He's like, oh, these smokes, these ex-chumps don't get around. But I ain't clowning around either. So, he pulls out his um, spritzer bottle. And he, he extinguishes the fire. And now laser beams come out of the walls. These guys sure know how to throw a party. Not to mention steel spikes shooting out of the floor. Alley-oop! Well, modern science ain't yet come up with a defense for one of my whipped cream pies. Wahoo! <laughs> All them years with the mechs and it paid off. So he throws the cream pies at the lasers, uh, I guess disabling those lasers. Now the room fills up with water, and he's like, Bah, water? It ain't even Saturday. Where's that pesky little Dutch brat when you need him? And it fills up with water, and it looks like he's about to drown. Last chance to cop an Oscar. Gotta make this good. Glug. Wolverine cuts through the wall. The water comes splashing out. And Obnoxio is doing a fish impression. Yeah, he was he was wearing a air-filled rubber chicken like a diving helmet, and that <laughs> saved his life. Oh, I didn't catch that. And now he's, yes, he's doing an impression of a fish. Why, you didn't believe I'm a fish? Why, I oughta. 
Stop Wolverine. Why did Wolverine turn into an android? <laughs> uh, huh? A mental command from Professor X. All of you report to me in the danger room control booth at once. The Professor British? Sure. He's a... Uh, did yeah. you see this ad for Blip magazine? Oh, yeah. It's been in a number of uh, X-Men issues. This just sounds fascinating to me. It's like Marvel tried to do a video game magazine in the Atari age. I will bet you that if you looked hard enough, you could probably find PDF copies of Blip. I would love to find PDF copies of Blip. <laughs> I would, too. Be like, have you seen this new game? It's called Vanguard, and it's got, like, four pixels. There's a description of it um, where they say that there's, like, a couple of Donkey Kong comics oh. that they add into it. It's interesting. Half-price charter subscription offer. I'd do it. I wonder, if, I wonder if they even came out with 12 issues. Probably not. <laughs> There's probably three. There's probably one. A whole bunch of kids are like, oh, I want my money. How much money was it? $12. Whoa. Oh, $6, because you're only paying 50%. This is $1982, by the way. So anyways, the professor is now in the danger room, control room. Ice cream. Uh, apparently, Iceman showed up to freeze ice cream in an ice block. Uh, the self-styled... The self-styled ice cream that commandeered the danger room. Regaining consciousness, I mentally surveyed the situation, then remotely lowered the temperature in here to far below freezing. You didn't know I could do that, did you? Wait a minute. So Iceman didn't freeze him? No. <laughs> you the mean... professor lowered the temperature to low enough where ice cream became an ice block. I don't know that that was actually what would happen. But maybe something to, it has something to do with his ice cream powers. That's got to be one heck of an air conditioning bill. Yeah, that's, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Obnoxio the Clown, however, is here at my request. Happy birthday, kitty! Yeah, kid. Just think of me as your little gifty. Liebergott. Oh my goodness, I've been so busy with my X-Men training, I clean and forgot all about it. Just to show that I'm a groovy clown, the ice cream sundae is on me, and he sprays sundae stuff on the ice cream statue. Yeah, whipped cream and a giant cherry. Oh, Teehee, then you're going to entertain at my party? Teehee, I knew it. So you rubes expect me to stick around and pull a Robin Williams now, eh? Forget it. What the heck is Sforts? I I don't know. Sports. Who says it? Is it Wolverine or Kitty? I think it's Kitty. I think it's it's Kitty. I think it's what she's trying to say, but he squirts her in the face. Oh, forget it. Why, that no good. Easy, Wolverine. Raza, raza. Wish. Wolverine swipes at the air. Wish. (laughs) Next time you want yucks, go hire yourself the cast of Sugar Babies. And while you're making, er, and while you're at it, maybe you can get the guy ice cream a job with baskin robbins the end however the obnoxio comic book goes on and on and on yeah so pick up a copy (laughs) and we're gonna finish it now yes the end (laughs) so there you go a little in between the issues catch up of all of the mutant happenings in the marvel universe true dat yo Join us next week, though, when we talk about the Uncanny X-Men. Yeah, we're, we're back. We're back for the, the, what is it? The Well, I don't know. don't want to spoil it. <laughs> we're back so, for the long haul. We're, we're back for the, uh, the next phase of, of X-Men. 
Yes, unless we're not. Well, until the Wolverine miniseries. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, anything else you want to add to this one, Adam? No. Well, then, until next time, the danger room is closed. He's the one with the ton of fun. He's the ace with the crazy face. I'm out of smiles and a laugh and a half. He's the clown that won't <laughs> let you down. Seven o'clock weekday mornings on Channel Nine.